Like I said, my name is Pastor Roger Trowbridge. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm excited to bring the Word of God today. Uh, It is the final week of our summer uh, Celebration Disciplines lessons. Uh, Jay, Jay, Richard J. Foster wrote a book uh, called Celebration Disciplines, and we've kind of went over them through the summer. Uh, there's a challenge book if you want to go back through it, if you have not had the chance to do that. Uh, we have the uh, journals for you, challenge journals for you. Uh, so um, today is uh, celebration. We've been talking about inward disciplines, uh, outward disciplines, corporate disciplines. Um, the inward would be the things like study, prayer, fasting, meditation, uh, you have the outward disciplines, the things that people can see, like simplicity, submission, service, and solitude. And yes, I am using cheat sheets on the wall. I am looking at them as I say them. Uh, and then the outward or the corporate disciplines would be that of worship, confession, uh, guidance, and celebration. We should celebrate. We should celebrate. I mean, I mean, there's even songs about it, right? Let's go ahead. How many of you know of a good song of Celebrate? Does anyone know of a good song? Because I can think of one. If they can maybe play it on the... Oh, they're not going to be able to play it? Oh, it's not working. It's all right. All right. I'm not going to sing it because I'll, I'll butcher it. But... Okay, my son's going to attempt it. Celebrate good times. Come on, right? Yeah. That one would work, right? Like... And, and we want to celebrate good times, but the Bible challenges us to celebrate all times, right? Celebrate all times. Oh, there, now they got a song going. Nope, wrong song. All right, anyway, that's right. But when we celebrate good times, when we celebrate good times and bad times, sometimes it's hard to celebrate. It's when life is tough or when we have bad news. Now, I'm not saying that you should be joyous in all circumstances. That's tough. You know, when you experience death, that's tough to celebrate. We can celebrate a life, but it's not always giddy. You're not always happy. But I would challenge you that it's a discipline of a Christian to celebrate. We, we can't be Christians that have lemon faces. Let's be honest. We all know the, the, that Christian who looks like they just ate a lemon every time you see them. Jesus is so good. I love Jesus. He's done so much for me. Like, they just doesn't, you got to tell your face to be happy, right? And uh, we've, we've kicked off JBQ, and they've been memorizing Scripture, right? And sometimes it's easy to memorize Scripture, uh, things like, um, uh, things like John 3.16 or Philippians 4.13. Uh, those ones people could kind of roll off their tongue. Uh, I always went for the easy ones, right? Like John 11.35. Does anyone know what that one is? Jesus wept. That's right. I got that one memorized in my back pocket. It just tells me that he's human and it's okay for me to cry. Okay? All right? Real men cry. Jesus did. Uh, so anyway, uh, in that thought, though, of memorizing... A lot of times we, we go for the easy ones. So another easy one would be like 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Does anyone know what that one is? Rejoice always. It's up on the screen for you. Oh, sort of, maybe. There we go. Rejoice always, right? Uh, 
Or, or maybe even the next verse, 17. Pray continually. I can memorize that verse, right? I could do that one. That's two, that's two of them. And then, and then the 18 is a little bit longer, right? Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the, God's will for you in Christ Jesus. A lot of people walk around and say, what's God's will for my life? <laughs> ding, ding, ding. All right, <laughs> right there. Uh, it just tells it plain and simple. God's will is to do this. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. So, when I, when I think about that, of, of memorizing those easy scriptures and, and getting those into my heart, I, I understand God's will, but do you understand that God purposely wants us to celebrate? Did you know that? God wants you to celebrate things. He actually commanded it in the law. If you have your Bibles, open up to Deuteronomy chapter 16. Deuteronomy chapter 16. Whether you have it on phone, paperback, or you can read it on the screen. But when God was, think about this. God uh, called Abraham, right? And then he, he promised him he'd be a, fam- a man of many nations. Uh, and uh, he, he ended up having his promised child. And then he had a child. And then he had 12 kids. Uh, and that's a whole lot of baby mama drama, but that's another thing. Uh, and then... Uh, then Joseph saves them, right? Brings them to Egypt and they flourish in the land of Goshen. And now after so many years, after slavery, after all the things the Egyptians did to them, God calls Moses to lead them out. They've been a family, but they've never been a nation. They, they knew what it meant to be family. And God instituted family with Adam and Eve. We understand that. It was not good for man to be alone, so he created a helpmate. God always works inside the family. And we are the family of God. But as a nation, they didn't know how to act or what to do or things like that. They had no cultural things. They just kind of remembered certain things. Like we don't eat off the, off the one side of the hip of the one lamb because that was where Jacob was touched and that's sacred. Like they had some practices, but they didn't do all of this. They didn't know how to be a nation. So God, not only did he give them the Ten Commandments, right, the, the big list that we all know, uh, but he also gave them some other ways, like, like a law book. How many of you have ever read the law book of the Ordinances of Holland? No one? No one wants to read that book? Yeah, we don't want to read the Old Testament either. I understand. It's okay, right? No one wants to read the law book, right? And, and what's always funny is those weird ones, like it's not good to shoot a horse, right? Like you're not allowed to shoot a horse on Sunday, but you can do it on Saturday, apparently. That's not in Holland. I'm just saying that's other weird laws. So sometimes there's some weird laws that need to be updated, things like that. But as God's telling them to be a nation, it's not just the law that he gives, but he also gives them cultural things to do. And that's where Deuteronomy 16 comes into play. Because he tells them three specific festivals that they need to, what's called the pilgrimage festivals. There are three festivals that the, at least the males were supposed to come and join at the temple. Whether it was a city or wherever God tells them to. That these ones, they couldn't just celebrate anywhere. They had to come and celebrate at the temple. Pilgrimage festivals. And many of us know the Passover, right? Because it talks about when, when they uh, come out of Egypt. Uh, it, it's actually a week-long festival uh, called uh, Unleavened, uh, Festival of Unleavened Bread. Uh, it's a week long of that, with Passover being the start of it. Um, but it's, 
it's a, uh, this is the one that Jesus has with the Last Supper, right? He's going to celebrate the Passover. And so many of us know what that one is. But we're going to pick up the story uh, here in verse 9. So Deuteronomy 16, verse 9. It says this, Count off seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the standing grain. Then celebrate the festival of weeks to the Lord your God by giving a freewill offering in proportion to the blessing the Lord has, your God has given you. And rejoice before the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his, for his name. You, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites in your towns, and the foreigners, the, father, the fatherless and the widows living among you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and follow carefully these decrees. Verse 13. Celebrate the festival of tabernacles for seven days after you have gathered all the produce of your threshing floor and your wine press. Be joyful at your festivals. You, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levites, and the foreigners, the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns. For seven days, celebrate the festival to the Lord your God at the place the Lord cho will choose. For your Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. Verse 16, three times a year, all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, at the unfestival of unleavened bread, at the festival of weeks, and the festival of tabernacles. No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. We'll stop there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would hide me behind the cross. Jesus, you be glorified, not me. Holy Spirit, anoint my tongue to speak your words, not mine. Father, open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears, that we would hear your word, we would receive it, and it would take root in our lives and change us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. When we think of celebrations, I always enjoy getting to preach odd passages of Scripture. Because we always like the New Testament because it gives us very clear instructions, right? Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, right? Like, that's easy. This is fun. Um, but as we, as we do it, I'm, I'm looking at the festivals and I'm thinking, now these are not the only Jewish festivals, okay? There were actually five given, six, depending if you want to separate Passover from unleavened bread. Um, but there were actually six festivals that were given, Seven that are celebrated. Some things that were extra now, um, like uh, the whole book of Esther, uh, when God spared using Esther and spared the uh, Israel nation. Uh, now they celebrate Purim uh, because of it. Or uh, when God spared them with the Maccabees and the oil and lights then go out. That's why they have Hanukkah, right? So there's other celebrations that, that they've adopted into their culture. But these ones are God-mandated, so if God says we need to celebrate, did you count how many times the word celebrate was in there? Or the word joyful? There's like seven or eight. I don't even know. If someone finds out, count them for me. There's a lot. All right? And just that. And God tells us to celebrate, to be joyful. Right? We're, we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to be joyful beings. 
to enjoy things. Uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes encourages us to, look, go and, and eat your bread and drink your wine and be merry. Right? Like, you're supposed to just go enjoy life. And here we pick up, and so I want to take a look at each festival, and I want to say, what, why do we need to celebrate that? Right? Because I don't live under the law, right? I live under the Spirit. We're, we're in New Testament. I'm, I'm not under the law, but I need to know why did God tell him to do it, and is there something for me that I can learn? So the first festival is this, the Festival of Unleavened Bread, and how I see that is we need to celebrate God's protection. Think about it. It's a week long where they're supposed to get all yeast out of their house. Now, how many of you bake dough from scratch? Okay, a couple people, right? How many of you use yeast? You have it readily available. Yeast does what? It makes it rise. It makes it puff up, right? Jesus equates yeast of the Pharisees as pride. Puffs up. And we, and so once a week, they're supposed to get all the yeast out of their house and make matzah, right? Flat bread because they didn't have time to let the dough rise when they were fleeing out of Egypt. Now, I don't know about you, but they've, they've doctored up matzah a lot lately. Like, you can get, like, sesame seed matzah and garlic and onion matzah and all these different types because for the whole week, they got to eat matzah sandwiches. I like a good rye every once in a while, right? Like some good sourdough. I need some, some other types of fluff in there. But for them, it's, it, when I say them, I mean the Jewish culture. And when they celebrate, they take it seriously. They, they get it all out of their house. And it's an idea of purification. Also, now not too many people do this, right? Not too many people sacrifice a lamb take its blood, and put it over the doorpost. That would be a little weird, right? My neighbors might call and be like, uh, you got to check out that, that my, my neighbor at 7102. Like, he's uh, putting blood over his doorpost. Like, that might be a little weird nowadays. But the idea was that you needed a blood covering so that the angel of death would pass over you. Why I don't need to do it anymore is because Jesus paid the sacrifice of the lamb. And he is now our protection, our blood covering, that, that when, the, when it's time and we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, or judgment seat of God, Jesus stands up and goes, he's mine. Check. Name's in the Lamb Book of Life. Don't need to worry about anything else. He's in. And that's it. Like, God covers us. And I can celebrate God's protection. I can celebrate that. I can enjoy the life that God has given me, the uh, eternal life that God has given me, right? And God protects those who are under the blood. Did you know that anyone could have walked into that house and been protected? As long as the blood covering was there, anyone that was in that house was covered. Doesn't matter if you're Jew or not, as long as you're under the covering, you were protected. That foreshadows what Christ does. Right? Because Christ says, hey, anyone can come to me. Whether you're Jew, Gentile, whether you believe in, uh, whether you believe a lot of weird things, but if you believe that I am the Son of God and I have died for your sins, then you are protected. You are covered. You're part of the family. Sometimes our celebrations... We can have fun at them, right? 
We, we can party, we can, we can dance, we can sing, we can shout. But part of some celebrations need to be reflection. Right? Uh, how many of you enjoy watching uh, It's a Wonderful Life at Christmas time? That's a movie about reflection. That, man, let me reflect during the season of gifts and presents and joy. Let me take a reflection of what it really means and what my life means. A lot of times we have retrospect uh, when it comes to birthdays, right? And we say, ah, oh, was this year a good year? Was it not? Or we do that at New Year's. Ah, oh, my scale still says the same thing. I didn't really work on that weight loss, did I? Whew. But there's some reflection that comes into there. And with Jesus being the ultimate Lamb of God, that's why we celebrate communion. We're going to take communion today. We're actually going to take it right now as a part of reflection. Because this is what Jesus did. He paid that price for us. And so as we reflect, we believe here at the dwelling place that if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're part of the family of God. And so you're, we have open communion. You don't have to be a member to partake. You just have to believe that Jesus is your Savior. And so we invite you today. We're going to serve the emblems. I'm going to ask Pastor Robin if she would come up and uh, just kind of play some soft music in the background. But uh, as we invite you to come on up and take the emblems and hold on to the emblems until you return back to your seats.
in 1 Corinthians, Paul encourages us with these words. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Everyone, take the bread. This isn't the physical body of Christ. This is just a piece of bread. But it represents the broken body of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your willingness to endure the cross. Lord, we reflect today on your sacrifice, the pain that you endured that we didn't have to. Because by your stripes we are healed. So God, Lord, I pray a healing and a blessing on everyone that is partaking of this today. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may take the bread. Paul continues and says, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whenever or whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink this cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the, the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. There's a part of reflection that comes into celebrating. When we remember, we need to reflect and say, God, is there anything inside of me that needs to be changed? Let's take a moment right now and ask God that same question. Thank you for the blood protection that blots out my sin. Only through your sacrifice am I even worthy to enter. God, I thank you. I do not count the blood spilled as that that just soaked into the ground, but Lord, every drop was for someone. Someone's sin. Those that have wronged us, God, you love them even more. Those that we love, you love them even more. God, Lord, I thank you for your protection 
over us. We thank you for the covenant and we proclaim not only your death, but your coming again. The future hope that we have. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take the cup. When we think of celebrate, we usually don't think communion, do we? We think party poppers and balloons. And we will celebrate. We have a celebration coming up, actually, in a month from now. We're going to be celebrating 25 years of the dwelling place. It's our anniversary, and so our 25th anniversary, and so we're going to do some celebration. And trust me, there will be balloons. I can't promise confetti poppers. I got yelled at the last time I did that. So, but we will celebrate. But not only am I celebrating God's protection with the Passover and what Jesus did there, but God also commends us to celebrate a festival of weeks. That's when you first start collecting the grain. Like when you, and it's, it's supposed to be, and he says, count the weeks out. Why it's called a festival of weeks is because it's 50 days from Passover. You're, you're supposed to count seven weeks. Well, 49, right? But plus one, because it's Passover, and then you start counting. But 50 days from Passover. And I always encourage us that we need to celebrate God's presence. I'm going to do a little bit of play on words here, but his presence of what he gives us and the presence that he gives us. Okay, so a little bit of play on words here, but I'm going to celebrate God's presence in the Festival of Weeks because... And I would encourage you that we give because he first gave, right? We love because he first loved us, and we give because he gave us. And on Pentecost, as Pentecostals, we celebrate that because it's when the Holy Spirit was poured out, right? Fifty days afterwards, they were in the upper room. They were waiting, and 120 people got to experience the outflow of the Holy Spirit, God's presence now in us on the day of Pentecost, they, they later found out that that was actually the time when they were given the Torah. That it was actually from the time that they left Egypt to when they actually got the law from God, when they saw God's presence on the mountain, was the day of Pentecost. Seven weeks later. And, and through that, I see that I get to celebrate God's presence and how he's with me. Not only, and not only do we have his law or his word, but we also have the presence of the Holy Spirit to guide us in his word. Think about it. Most celebrations, and, and that's what he gives us, most celebrations have gifts to them, don't they? Christmas, birthdays, graduation parties, baby showers, weddings, Thanksgiving, I mean, if you don't bring some food, a gift of food, like, you're going to have a little trouble there. Like, you can finally eat, but we're going to give you a stink. No, we're not going to do that. Okay. 
But in that thought, though, like as a celebration, there's, a, there's giving that comes into it. When you celebrate, you should give. And that's why in Deuteronomy, he tells us this, right? In verse 16, he says, Three times a year, all your men must report, appear before the Lord your God at the place he cho- will choose, at the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of weeks, and uh, the festival of the tabernacles. No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. When you come to celebrate God, you better bring something. Ooh, pastor, that hurts my toes. What do you mean? I I thought I was just supposed to party and just enjoy Jesus. Listen, there is a little bit of giving that comes up when when you celebrate. There's part of, and, and there's a difference between a tithe and an offering. Okay? A tithe was, was not, it was commanded, uh, I was going to say dictated, but it was commanded uh, from God that a tenth of what, what you bring in should go back. That's not what he's talking about here in the festivals. He's not saying, hey, bring your tithe to the storehouse. No, you're supposed to be doing that on the Sabbath as you weekly celebrate a day of rest, right? And, and you enjoy those things. That's your tithe. Your offering is free will. Hey, because of the blessings God's put on you, give proportionately back to God. If God's given you much, you should give much. If he's given you little, give little. That's okay, but give out of what God's blessed you with. It doesn't matter what you have or don't have. Just bring a blessing to God, and it's a free will offering. Right? It's one of your choice. You decide what to give. It's not called a free will offering because you have the choice to give it. Or, like, for God loves a cheerful giver. I need my wallet. <laughs> it's over on the first pew. Go ahead and grab my wallet. Bring that up here. And, and my son is so willing. He just, he's so excited that I always pull him up to, to do stuff. He'll probably yell at me later. Okay. All right, let's see. Do we got anything in here? Oh, look. I got a $10 bill. I think I'm going to offer this to my son. Do I really want to give it to him? Does he really need it? I don't know if he I don't know if he really needs it. He's not really going after it, is he? Do you want this? Do you you want ten dollars or no? Okay. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Fine. You can have it, I guess. You know what? I, I really, I really need that back. I, I really need to get gas money later. Thanks, thanks. You can have a seat, buddy. I, I need gas money later. How many of us do that with God? <laughs> Grandma's got a ten. Oh, a twenty. How many of us do that with God, though? God, I want to give you something, but I, I really need. Some, I need to go do something else instead. Like, like, I want to give God, but my heart isn't really there. How many of us give grudgingly? Oh, I have to write tithe. It's a bill that I just write out. Because it's just what I have to do. Versus God wants a cheerful giver. What, what, did, what did he say? Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Listen, don't just throw this out there because you're crying because there's tears of dogs on the screen. Don't give out a compulsion. Don't give out because your heartstrings are pulled, but give out of conviction by God and the Holy Spirit. If God tells you to give, you better give. Because that's his anyway. 
What does giving do? Giving obeys God's command. Giving submits to God's lordship. God, or giving exhibits God's heart. Giving trusts God's provision. Giving uh, widens God's smile. It advances God's kingdom. It promotes God's sanctification inside of us. And it testifies to God's power. If I can give to God and he still takes care of me, isn't that amazing to God? Isn't that saying, God, I trust you more than I trust my wallet. I trust you more than I trust my paycheck. Because I don't, I don't work for them. I work for you and what you are going to do through me. Because my power doesn't come from them. My power comes from you. You sustain me. You give me life. It's your power inside of me. And when I give, I'm saying, God, I submit to you and what you want to do. Now, I'm not saying to be stupid either. Right? Don't do it reluctantly. Don't do it out of compulsion. I'm not asking you to give $1,000 if you got 900 in your bank account. That doesn't make sense. Right? Give in what's decided in your heart to give. An offering, a free will. I give it, God, because it advances your kingdom. Look, we got a lot of things we want to do here, but it's whatever God wants to do. I'm not you know, running in circles to say, let's try to get this all accomplished. No, God, what do you want to do? We advance God's kingdom through that. But as we celebrate God's presence, it's because, God, you have abundantly given to me. God, you pour out your blessings upon me. And did you know that it's a promise right here in Deuteronomy? Verse 15. For seven days celebrate the festival to the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. If you want joy in your life, if you want to cultivate joy, then give. Give. Because his joy is incomplete in you. The work of your hands, everything that you put your hands to, God will bless. Why? Because I give it back to him. And the giving that comes with there. And I can celebrate God's presence because God is with me all the time. Then that third festival, the festival of tabernacles, festival of booths, festival of tents. This one is more obscure because Jesus actually doesn't celebrate this one. Jesus rather than going out with his disciples and celebrating the festival of tabernacles, he goes to the temple and preaches the word and teaches in the tabernacle. Well, what would they do? The festival of tabernacles was a week-long camping trip. They were supposed to get out their tents, go outside of the city, and set up. If you were to see it today, it would be a bunch of white tents like outside of one city that a bunch of people would sleep in. And the idea of it was to remind them that they're just passing through this earth. That, that they were sojourners called out from Egypt into the promised land. And that Israel... As much as it is the promised land, they were supposed to continue to celebrate it because it foreshadows the promised land of heaven. Amen. And I can now celebrate God's promise. Because 
through that, I remember myself, I'm just passing through this earth. Everything is temporary around me. I might need to pick up and go. God may call me to another spot. He may finish this assignment and take me somewhere else. I don't know. But I'm just passing through. This life, this physical stuff is just temporary. It's just for here, for now. But I have a promise of something greater. I have a promise of what God has. I'll, I'll be honest, this one doesn't excite me. I don't like camping. I don't want to sleep in a sleeping bag and have sticks poke my back. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do a week long. Some of you, you enjoy it. Good for you. Right? But I love the fact that everyone is included. Did you catch that? Verse 14. I'm kind of working backwards a little bit here. Verse 14. Be joyful at your festival, you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levites, and the foreigners, me, and the fatherless, and the orphan and the widows who live in your towns. God said, look, you don't have to be part of the bloodline. Anyone can celebrate this festival. They can actually celebrate all three. All of you are welcome. Anyone that wants to, you can come and celebrate. Because God's promise is for everyone. God's presence is for everyone. God's protection is for everyone. I also have a different type of hope. When I'm on the phone call and I'm talking with people who have lost a loved one, I can tell real quick if they believed in Jesus or they didn't. Because the conversation is is two totally different things. One is a celebration. They've moved on. Graduated. The school of life. Versus despair. And one of, they're gone. I had a phone call with someone this week and she's upset with her, not upset, but concerned for her family because they've made a shrine out of the person they've lost a year later. And she's like, I don't know how to get through to them that this is just temporary that this isn't it. First Thessalonians 4, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. We have a different type of hope. I have a promise of God. Yes, It's sad when we lose a friend. When we have someone who is our confidant or someone that we entrusted. Someone who is a spiritual leader or guidance. The person that we can't call anymore. I'm not saying that that doesn't hurt, but I can celebrate. I have a hope. I have something different compared to the rest of mankind because of the promise of God. And I want to tell everyone about 
that promise. I want them to celebrate with me. So what do we need to do? How do we practice celebrating? Are we supposed to go around with, I, I was, I was going to bring, my wife told me no, uh, but I was going to bring like noisemakers, right? Whee! Right? Should we walk around with that 24-7? Just start blowing it in people's faces? I'm partying. I'm celebrating. Pastor told me to do this. No. It doesn't fit for all situations. Mourn with those who mourn. Weep with those who weep. Celebrate with those who celebrate. It's hard to do the celebration when you don't feel like celebrating. Let's be honest. And why my arsenal in my mind so that when the Holy Spirit needs to remind me of things, it's there and I can pull it out. I don't have to pull out my phone and be like, what is that scripture? But it's there. It's, it's inside of me. So remember those first verses we talked about from 1 Thessalonians 5? It's an easy one. 5.16, rejoice always. Can, can, can anyone promise me that you'll memorize this verse this week? Okay, thank you. I got two. Okay, thanks. We got two people. Okay. It, maybe you want to even try and get two verses down. Let's go with, with 1 Thessalonians 5.17 too. Pray continually. Oh, someone's trying to be a show-off up here. Maybe, can I challenge you to memorize three scripture verses this week? 18 as well. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, to practice, to practice this, we need to always or be rejoicing. As a Christian, we need to be rejoicing. We need to, we need to be praying all the time. Listen, I don't do things without me talking to God through the whole time. I talk to God constantly. I, whether I'm in the car, whether I'm uh, at home, whether, wh- wherever it is, in the shower, I talk with God, okay? I just, I pray continually. And we should always be thanking. Always. Thanksgiving isn't just supposed to be one time of the year, y'all. It's supposed to be all the time. In all circumstances. Do you know what? This is really tough. I, I, I usually... Because of, because of this verse. I usually end most of my prayers, and God, I thank you. What's really tough is when I'm praying for someone who lost somebody or, or someone who is being hurt or is, is, is in pain. God, I thank you. Why? Why? <laughs> Why do I thank you? I thank you because your promises are good. I thank you because you can, you can take ashes and make them into beauty. I thank you because you're the one that's in control and I don't need to worry about this. And, and, and God, I thank you because I, I, I give my cares to you because I'm not supposed to be anxious for anything. But I'm supposed to be giving it to you. And so God, I thank you because you're the one that's got this, not me. I don't, the weight of the world doesn't have to be on my shoulders. I can give it to you, God. Be rejoicing, be praying, be thankful, always. And let me encourage you to celebrate life, because God does. God celebrates life. 
Whether a baby is planned or unplanned, God planned that baby. God's the one that's the author of life, and I celebrate life. I celebrate life to its full, beginning and end. The entrance and the exit. I celebrate life. And everything in between. Because God, Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. God celebrates life. Whee! Let's have fun. Celebrate. Enjoy the parties. Enjoy 40 years old. Oh, I'm going to be 40 next year. Jesus, help me. And some of you are like, yeah, it's just an age. Hey, I'm the one that's looking at it, okay? Not just good. All right? It's all right. It's okay. I won't be, uh, yeah. There's a couple of Facebook groups I'll have to get off of anyway. But celebrate life. It's a discipline. It's not always going to be easy. But celebrate. Celebrate.